I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I am so happy that you're here today, and I would like to invite you to grab your Bibles and meet me today in Isaiah chapter 54, verses 1 through 3. These are some verses that we have become very familiar with, and I want us to look at them briefly just for a moment. Verse 1 says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth in the singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Verse 2, Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Of course, this is a prophetic word to you concerning God's plan for your expansion and your increase in your life. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Praise God. So I see a rich reward, a rich inheritance for you. Now, in keeping with these scriptures, and our efforts to move forward and act upon them, I must say that the Lord is blessing the ministry, and new doors are opening, and there are some very exciting things that are placed before us. And by God's grace, with your help, we are going to move into them, and I'll share some of those things with you in the coming days. But my friends, what we must first do is complete the project that we have been tackling, and that is the pavement project, so that we can get the entire parking lot resurfaced with brand new surface, and that the parking lot is set up for the next however many decades it will last. I know the surface out there has done a good job. It's probably been there for a long time, but as all things eventually need maintenance and repair, that's what we need to do with the parking lot. And we're at a place right now where we need to keep on the parking lot project until it is completed. And let me say a big thank you to everybody who sowed special Passover resurrection seed into the ministry this past Sunday. That is a great blessing in moving the ministry forward, generally moving the entire ministry forward. But the parking lot project is a special project. And that is something, my friends, we need to complete. And I've got a pavement scripture for you that I would like to share with you as we are trusting God for expansion and increase. And I know that's touching your life as well. And here is something beautiful from the book of Ezekiel. Maybe you've never been so excited about a, a pavement project before, but here's a pavement project in Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 17. And here, the prophet Ezekiel, who is also a priest, is being shown the future millennial temple. Praise the Lord. And because Ezekiel, through prophetic gifting and the visionary experiences, is seeing this, he could really wrap his mind around it and get good grasp on it because as a functioning priest himself, everything that he has seen makes sense to him regarding the coming of the future temple. Now, verse 17, then he brought me into the outer court and there were chambers and a pavement made all around the court. 30 chambers faced the pavement. The pavement was by the side of the gateways 
corresponding to the length of the gateways. This was the lower pavement. Well, of course, the millennial temple is going to be very nice. We know that the sanctuary is going to be spectacular, but even as beautiful as the sanctuary will be, and this will be the temple one day that Christ will rule and reign over the whole world from, it will be located in Jerusalem, Israel. But even with the beauty of the sanctuary, there is going to be a very, very beautiful pavement for the outer court. And just like there would be a beautiful building structure, but yet you would have to have nice pavement here also at the ministry property. Yes, we have several facilities, but we also have a parking lot and the pavement needs to be nice as well. Because when people see the ministry headquarters, it is a representation of the Lord's work within the earth and it needs to be nice. I'm sure that you would agree. My friends, it may seem a little bit surreal and it may seem something that could even be mystical and far off. But one day, one day you will visit the millennial temple. You will visit the temple in Jerusalem that the Lord will rule over the whole world from, and you will be able to walk on that pavement. You'll be able to walk on those stones and you'll think, you know what? I remember that message pastor Stephen Brooks taught years back when he taught about how, how the church needed a good pavement, how they needed a good parking lot. And here you will be one day in the future walking on the pavement of the outer court of the temple that Christ will govern the world from my friends. I want to ask you to help us finish the pavement project here at the ministry offices and the headquarters here. We have a remaining budget of 18 K $18,000 that we need to meet. And I know that's very small in the eyes of the Lord, but I believe that as we uh, continue to sow into that, that we will meet it and we will have a beautiful parking lot out there. Matter of fact, I've gotten multiple quotes and the company, the paving company that we have decided to go with, you know, I was talking to, uh, the gentleman that does the quoting for their company. And we met actually at a different location. He didn't know what he was going to be quoting. I just told him I had some pavement work that needed to be done. Uh, and this of course would be asphalt type pavement. And we were talking, uh, at a different location and uh, what he was going to quote. Now, of course, he's going to come over and take a look at it. But before he even saw it, when I told him where the location was, he said, wait a minute. He said, is that the church building that's located over by the post office next to the school? I said, yes, that's it. That's what I need you to quote. He said, my goodness. He said, I was standing over on the school's property just a couple of days ago because we submitted a quote to the county to do some paving for them. And he said, I stood there looking at your property at the church property. And I was thinking, wow, they need to have their parking lot redone. I sure would like to be able to do the parking lot for them. I need to get a hold of that person. And so when he found out that that was the job that uh, he's going to be bidding on, he, he could hardly believe it because he realized this seems like the Lord's in on this because the Lord was stirring his heart to inquire about doing that parking lot. So that just happened to be our parking lot that he was so curious about. 
And my friends, that's what's remaining. We've already had some funds come in that have been allocated towards this project, but we still need 18 K. Now I would like to ask you to go before the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me to do so that that project can be completed? Oh yes. There's other things that maybe we could say are more exciting than asphalt. <laughs> I would agree with that, but nevertheless, even the, the millennial Jerusalem temple. Now this is not the temple that the antichrist is going to come into. That's a different one. That's the one that's coming up next. And, uh, but this is the millennial temple. Even it, even it had to have pavement. Praise the Lord. Now I'm sure that the millennial temple will not be asphalt <laughs> pavement. <laughs> it's probably going to be some very beautiful, polished, hewn stone, but nevertheless, you don't want to be walking around in the dirt. I'm asking you to help us to finish the parking lot project. Now, as you also bring in your tithe, ask the Lord about sowing a special seed into the pavement project. And if you want to give online, please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage. It has a red heart on it that says giving, and you can click that and you'll see the category where you can send your tithes and you will see also the opportunity to click on the tab that will allow you to give directly into the pavement project. Woo! Praise the Lord. I've never been so excited about pavement before. Mm -mm. But one day, one day we'll look back and laugh. We'll look back and laugh. One day we'll stand on that pavement of the millennial temple and we'll think, wow, I remember when I sowed into that pavement project. Mm -mm. Glory to God. God's up to good things. Thank you so much for your giving and your support. Now, if you prefer to mail in your tithes and your special pavement offering, praise the Lord. Just send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717. The city is Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. Praise God. Hallelujah. Please lift your hands. Father, I pray that you bless, bless, bless your people that is a sow into the paving project. Father God, that we can complete this project, that we are finishers, that we can complete this project for your glory. And Father God, that you give your people insight and revelation into, into their future. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, that you give them revelatory insight, because one day in the future, we will stand on some very unique pavement there in the millennial temple. Now, Father, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your anointing flowing. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Father. Bless the seed that your people are sowing. Bless it. One hundredfold return your very best harvest flowing back into their lives. In Jesus' name, we pray and agree. And we say, Amen. Amen. Thank you again for your giving. Praise the Lord. And I know there will be quite a few of you eventually you'll you'll want to come visit here to the ministry headquarters and you'll walk on the pavement here praise god thank you jesus now let's take our holy bibles and let's go over to the book of jeremiah chapter 12 today we want to talk about lions in the thicket mm -mm. we're going to be in jeremiah chapter 12 and let's pray now, Father, as we go into your word on an exploratory journey into your word, we ask that illumination 
of your word would come so that your word is not a history lesson. It's not ink on paper. It's not intellectual information, but father, let it be a rhema word Let it literally be spiritual food that feeds our spirit that inspires our soul and quickens our mortal flesh. We thank you father for it in Jesus. And we pray we all agree and say, amen. Praise the Lord. Now, Jeremiah chapter 12, let's begin today in verse one. Praise the Lord. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. So here we see Jeremiah pleading with the Lord because he doesn't like the situation. He doesn't like who's in authority. He doesn't like the political situation. We could say he's not happy with the way things are. He's not happy with the uh, the collapse of morality and ethics within his country. And he's pleading with the Lord to do something about it. The response that the Lord is going to make, is going to be very, very interesting. Matter of fact, the response probably if he were to take the Lord's response and uh, get on popular talk shows, Christian talk shows of what's going to happen in the future, they probably don't want to hear this angle. But it's a true angle, and uh, it is very, very encouraging when you see it in the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. you know, that's a good way to start talking to the Lord. <laughs> Lord, you're the best. Lord, you're righteous. Now, he's, he's going to begin to pour out what is really in his spirit that's troubling him. But he, he comes into this prayer the right way. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. Yet, let me talk with you about your judgments. Now, this prayer, maybe we could even say, if we're honest, that it merges into a complaint. That's okay. We thank God that God has big shoulders, that we can lean on Him, maybe even cry on Him, maybe, maybe even in a righteous way, uh, complain, not that we're complainers, but in the sense we're like, Hey Lord, uh, we're aware of what's going on and it's really not the way that we would like it to be. Okay. Let me talk with you about your judgments. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Anybody out there ever thought about that? When you take a glance across the, the structure of America, not only America, but the the way things from a global perspective, you could see how so strongly uh, there are those that would want, that would want to take the world into a one world global system that is ruled by one religion that is uh, governed by one person that is even uh, funneled through a one system of economic exchange. You see how those, uh, individuals that are out there, there are those that would just give anything for that to happen. And some people actually think it would be a good thing because they're not aware <laughs> of the scriptures that tell us how dangerous this actually is. Well, Jeremiah, of course, was uh, a very observant prophet, and he is aware that the wicked are prospering, and he doesn't, doesn't think that's the way it should be. And there will come a day when that's all going to change. But he's right in the thick of the reality of what's going on. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy 
who deal so treacherously. Well, I saw on the news recently that there was a certain public servant, a certain government official that makes $200,000 a year according to their government position. So they make $200,000 a year and they just filed their taxes and it's, you know, it's a public tax report and it was reported how much money this government official has made in the last four years. Now keep in mind, they, they get paid $200,000. Well, that's easy. Pastor Stephen, that's 200,000 times four times four years. That means they would have made $800,000 being a good public servant working for the U S government. Well, the tax report showed that they had, they made over the person made over $140 million. Uh, where did that all come from? Well, why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? There are politicians who literally sell themselves to corporate interest groups or to big, uh, you know, these lobbyist groups and these politicians pass legislation, not because they're passing legislation for the well-being of the people, <laughs> not because they're trying to represent those voters who voted them into power. No, they're passing legislation that favors certain corporations or certain big interest groups or certain large unions and they pass legislation that favors them so that later, later they can receive large bonuses and kickbacks. For example, a politician will work with other politicians to pass a bill. That bill could favor, for example, a large corporate entity, these various corporations, say it's a banking entity. And so they pass these laws that favor these banks to do certain things. And then and then maybe a few years later, the politician is invited to come give a speech or give a talk towards maybe, you know, some employees at the bank. And so the politician goes and gives a 30-minute talk. Maybe they really work hard and speak for 45 minutes. And when they're done, the corporation gives them an appreciation gift or a check of $600,000 or $1 million or wherever it might be. And you think, now, what did they do? for 30 minutes to get a million dollar check. Oh, they didn't do anything. Then they did something previously when they passed legislation that favored them. And now here's the kickback and it's done in a legal form, but just because it's legal doesn't mean it's ethical and it doesn't mean it's moral, but these people don't care about <laughs> ethics or morality. That's not what's moving them. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Jeremiah is really letting it loose. He's pouring his heart out to God. Why are those happy who deal so treacherously, who deal in these ways of, uh, it's just fraud. It may be legal, <laughs> but it's still, it's unethical. Why do they do that? Verse two, Jeremiah says, you have planted them. Yes, they have taken root. They grow. Yes, they bear fruit. So he says, you have planted them. And you know what? It's true in a sense God has planted them. Well, Pastor Stephen, why would God do that? Because that's what the people actually want. 
That's what many of the masses want. They, they just want to be left alone, to be able to engage in uh, their lifestyle, regardless of how displeasing it would be to the Lord, regardless of how opposite it would be to God's instruction manual, the Bible. They just want to sin. And so they're just like, whoever's running the office up there, let them do whatever they want to do, as long as we can do what we want to do. And that's why God allows many times wicked, corrupt leaders. Why? That's what the people want. That's what the majority want. Now, now the remnant doesn't want that. The Jeremiah's don't want that. The people that are living for God that, that believe in uh, justice and honesty, honesty and doing things the right way, they don't want that. But oftentimes, they're not the majority. They're the minority. But uh, be encouraged, God always always has his eye on the remnant and always has blessing prepared for the remnant. Woo, praise God. And sometimes the remnant's not quite as small as people would think it is there. It could be, it could be a million people. Praise the Lord. It could be even more. Thank you, Jesus. But Jeremiah is certainly being very upfront with the Lord. You have planted them. Yes, they have taken root. They grow. Yes, they bear fruit. He's really saying, God, you need to get rid of these people. <laughs> They're so corrupt. Lord, get rid of the king. He's corrupt. Uh, yeah, he is. He's, he's completely compromised. And so is his whole court. <laughs> yes, Lord. Now, what would fix it is just get rid of all of them. How many of you know it's not going to happen? It didn't happen for Jeremiah. It hasn't happened in other governments of the world. It didn't even happen amongst the Jewish nation. And so there are these times where God plants them and they're there. But that doesn't mean that you have to be under oppression. God has a lifting up for you. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. You are near in their mouth, but far from their mind. How many of those politicians that we know they're bought, sold and paid for? How many of them do we know that still will go to church or will go to mass or on the exterior, act religious. They act like they actually love God, but it's only in an external act. You are near in their mouth, but far from their mind. You'll, you'll hear some of them act like they uh, belong to the church, and then they turn right around, and they just push, push, push the murder of the innocent, of the unborn. Mm -mm. It's all fake. You are near in their mouth, but far, far from their mind. But you, O Lord, know me. Jeremiah says, you've seen me and you have tested my heart towards you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. <laughs> well, Jeremiah, it's not going to work out like that. God, kill them all. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's not going to happen like that. Now, Pastor Stephen, if we just had an evangelical president, and if we just had the right people on the Supreme Court, and if we just had this and that, then everything would be right. No, it doesn't always work like that. It doesn't always work like that, especially when you have a nation that in many ways has forsaken the Lord. So you have to bring this in the right approach. Now, I know Jeremiah is a, he's a little bit different because of his background and so forth. He, he's a prophet. He, he's in church all the time. And uh, uh, he's, he's singing praises to the Lord. And he's, uh, I mean, he, he lives in a priestly town. But, but 
uh, that doesn't mean that others out there are living the same way. The truth is that there's a lot of decay in the nation, and you have to look at this through the right lens, with the right filter. Praise God. Now, verse 4, how long will the land mourn, and the herbs of every field wither? Oh, so it's starting to affect all the wickedness in the nation is starting to affect the land. Things aren't producing the way they should. Sounds to me like there could be a drought, some type of famine going on. The beast and birds are consumed. So now we have innocent animals that are being stricken by the repercussions of a disobedient nation. For the wickedness of those who dwell there. That's why it's happening. For the wickedness of those who dwell there, because they said, he will not see our final end. So you have animals going into some into extinction. You have others that are dying prematurely. And the very people that live in the land that are hearing the prophecies of Jeremiah, they say, he will not see our final end. In other words, Jeremiah, you're going to die before we do. We're going to outlive you. You'll, you won't even see our end. You're going to die long before we do. We're going to live and be fine, but you're going to be finished very, very soon. So he tells these things to the Lord. Now, you would have to agree. He poured it out there, didn't he? He, he had his talk. He had his prayer. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a very interesting prayer. It's a synopsis condensed of all of the corruption that is taking place within the nation. Verse 5, God responds. Are you ready? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're going to go into verse 5. God's going to begin to share some very fascinating things. You would have to think that Jeremiah has done a good job of basically explaining to God why he cannot complete his assignment. God, we cannot be successful during times like this because of the persecution. God, we cannot move forward the way that we're supposed to because of uh, the right leaders are not in place. God, we can't do this. We can't do that. God, it's just a big mess. And so he has presented some very valid excuses for why he cannot fulfill his destiny as a prophet. Now, now, if we had the right leaders, then it would all work out. If we got rid of all of this craziness and just God get rid of them all, then, then we could really do what we're supposed to do. What does God say about all of this? Verse five, this is God's response. If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses. Praise the Lord. If you've run with the footmen, they've got you all wore out, Jeremiah, then how can you contend with the horses? Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Jeremiah is saying, I can't succeed in this current oppressive environment. But the footmen here, representing basically the disobedient Jews in the small town of Jeremiah's hometown of Anathoth. Well, those are the footmen. God's saying, Jeremiah, what are you going to do when I start introducing you to the leaders of the nation? 
What are you going to do? Well, you have to prophesy to the king of, of Judah. Look, if you've had a hard time with the local folk, now I understand prophets never really accepted in his own hometown. You go outside of your hometown and you're celebrated, but in your own hometown, they don't, they did, they, they, uh, they don't treat you right. Cause they, you know, they know who you are. You, you grew up there and stuff like that. But even still, Hey, Jeremiah, if you're really struggling in Anathoth and, and that's a priestly town, what are you going to do against these people, the religious leaders and the royalty there in Jerusalem? You're going to have to have a different type of mindset. You need to understand that the environment is not the problem. It's having a wrong mindset. Mm -mm. I can't succeed in the current environment, Pastor Stephen. God needs to change that first. No, you need to let God change you. Praise the Lord. Because it's technically not the externals that are holding you down. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. Now let's continue. The footman representing the disobedient Jews there in Jeremiah's hometown of Anathoth. The horses, those who can move at a different level because of their wealth, because of their uh, position. Oh, Pastor Stephen, you don't understand. We can't, we can't run with them. They wear suits. Well, maybe it's time for you to go out and buy a suit. Praise the Lord. Oh, but Pastor Stephen, we, we can't. We can't move in those circles. They, they have different levels. Well, God, God can take you into those levels too. Praise God. Mm -mm. Now, let's continue on. We're in verse 5. If you have run with the footmen, the locals, and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? Those that do have more speed, more strength, more resources. I'm telling you, God's taking you into some high places. Get ready. Get ready. Praise God. Mm -mm. If, and if in the land of peace, that would be his hometown, Anathoth, the peaceful area. And if in the land of peace, in which you trusted, they wearied you. Well, that those where your, many of your relatives live. That's the priestly town. And that, yet their verbal assaults are getting you fatigued and wearied and tired, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? Now the word floodplain there in the Hebrew is denoting the embankments along the Jordan river on both sides, East and West side. But if I could put you in a time machine and take you back to this time, to this era, you would realize that if you were actually to walk up to the Jordan River, you would not even be able to see the Jordan River. Why? Because in the area of the floodplains, where that river kind of levels out as it gets further south, what would happen is that because there could be times when the river would overflow, this, these areas that were within that floodplain, they all get a lot of moisture. And you would have trees, small trees, and reeds growing everywhere, and small bushes going, they're just growing everywhere, so thick that this word floodplains also can be translated as the thickets. And it was so thick that it was actually said, 
and ancient rabbinical writings that you could not even see the Jordan. If you were to walk up to it, this whole floodplain area had such dense, thick growth, and it was all along the river for quite some distance, and it was growing outward for quite some distance. You were not, you were not even able to see the river. Now, you could hear it. You could hear it rushing by, but you couldn't see it. Ah, ah, there's something hiding in the thickets. If in the land of peace, in you which you trusted, okay, the peaceful land, they wearied you. They got you all fatigued. They criticized you on your Instagram, or they criticized you on Facebook, okay? Then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? The floodplain, the thickets of the Jordan. Now, when he made that statement, everybody in his era and in his time would have understood exactly what he is talking about. Jeremiah makes several references to it. Here's one in Jeremiah chapter 49, verse 19. Behold, he shall come up like a lion from the floodplain, from the thickets of the Jordan. Everybody knew back in that time that when there were heavy rains in that whole southern area, that Negev area was getting a lot of moisture, a lot of overflow of the Jordan River. Watch out. Be careful. If you're going down to that river, you better have some weapons because there's lions in the thickets. Praise the Lord. Now, the thickets, the vegetation was so thick, uh, you, you know, if you want to get to that river, you're going to have to work your way through that. But remember, these, these bulrushes and all these reeds, they were head high. So you can't see over, and you can't see through it. And if you're going to go in there, there are lions in there. Now, uh, for many of us today, when we think about the land of Israel, we don't think about predatory type animals, but they were there. We know that David killed a lion and a bear. We know that Samson killed a lion. And according to Israeli history, the last lions that were seen in the land were killed off by the crusaders in the 13th century. And the bears were also killed off also. But we know that David killed a bear. So they were there and they were on the hunt they were hungry. They were ferocious. So if you're going there, you've got to be ready. Praise the Lord. You got to get prepared. Praise God. And you must embrace a different type of mindset that we can go into those places. And many of you are called to go into the thickets of the Jordan. You're called to go into the floodplain and God is going to lift you up to do some amazing things. This is not the time for you to retreat. This is not the time for you to start buying tribulation food. This is not the time to buy thousands of dollars of storage food because it's all going to fall apart. The world is going to get more technologically advanced. The world is going to move forward. Yes, it's a very fragile system out there. The whole financial system is extremely fragile. It will look like at times it could completely collapse but it's not going to happen yet. There will come a time when there will be a planned collapse so that the world can be put on a one world economic system where you can't buy or sell unless you take a certain mark, but we're not there yet. It may look like we're ready to step into it and there are those that want it, but it's not going to happen yet. 
Well, Pastor Stephen, some, some of the things out there look very scary. Yes, they do. And there are real difficulties and real challenges out there. there. There are real lions hiding in the thicket. There is real corruption there in Jerusalem. But <laughs> that's not the issue. That's not the issue. God can still empower you to do what he has called you to do, and you can get it accomplished regardless of the corruption or regardless of the lions. That's not the problem. The problem is your focus. You must get your focus on the Lord because God wants to empower you to run with the horses and walk through the thicket. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. So God's basically saying, Jeremiah, I'm aware of all of this, but I'm not necessarily changing all of this yet. Now he deals with it later. I, I mean, we know the Babylonians are going to come in. We know what they're going to do. It's not going to be good. But God later judges Babylon and they get destroyed. Mm -hmm. God judges anybody that touches Israel and God judges anybody that touches the church. But it may not happen overnight, and it may not happen for a couple of years or a couple of decades. So what do we do in the interim? You must move forward with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes, there's challenges. And actually, the challenges are, are beyond what Jeremiah has even understood them to be. God gives a little more insight while he also builds up his prophet, his servant, he does let a few more things out of the bag, so to speak. I mean, after all, Jeremiah asked, and the Lord gives him a more accurate appraisal of what he's really facing, of what he's really up against. Verse 7, I have forsaken my house. Now, when he says my house, that is a direct reference to the temple. I have forsaken my temple because he dwelt between the cherubim, there above the mercy seat in the Ark of the Covenant and of Holy of Holies. That's where the presence of God was kept. But that presence has left. There has been a forsaking. I have forsaken my house. I have left my heritage. I have given the dearly beloved of my soul into the hand of her enemies. Wow. So there's difficulties. There's difficulties, but we are walking in the glory you know, the Lord also shared something interesting with Jeremiah concerning his own family members that he did not know. They're talking and plotting behind his own back. Verse 6, for even your brothers and most scholars view this verse as being literal. This is not talking about his tribe. This is not talking about, you know, uh, the, the other priests that, that he knew in town and so forth. Excuse me. This is talking about his literal flesh and blood brothers. For even your brothers, the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. Yes, they have called the multitude after you. Do not believe them, even though they speak smooth words to you. Now, when it says they have called the multitude after you in the Hebrew, that is the same type of an expression that would you would use to cry out loud and identify a person as a wrongdoer who would be the type of a person such as a thief or even as bad as a murderer. And that's what his brothers are saying behind his own back. So the Lord says, yeah, 
there's a lot going on, Jeremiah. You, you need, you're going to have to pick up the pace. And I've got great plans for you, but you're going to have to get ready to lift and go into a higher level. Oh, by the way, your own brothers that you think love you so much, they're talking behind your back, saying the most awful things about you. But my friends, you have to go on with the Lord. You have to walk in love. You have, you have to forgive people, but you've got to keep moving. You've got to keep moving because not everybody's going to move into the Eagle Saint category. There's going to be people even within the church that look at the situation and say, it's impossible to succeed. The whole system is rigged. Why even try my friends? Jeremiah was very well acquainted with this, but let me tell you, he completed what God told him to do. And he was a true voice and he was a true success in his generation. And you're going to be the same thing. Praise God. Now, God was basically letting Jeremiah know, Jeremiah, you have functioned at this level. And you've been a blessing and you've done good, but you've had some struggles at that level. But Jeremiah, I'm about to open some doors for you that are going to take you to a whole new realm. So you're going to have to start to move faster because I'm going to, I'm going to start allowing you and empowering you to run with the horses. And I'm even going to send you into the very thicket around the Jordan where the lions are at. You're going to be shocked, Jeremiah, at who you're going to be prophesying to and who you're going to meet. Woo. And that doesn't mean they're going to love his message, <laughs> but God's going to bring him to a national level. He was even known. He was even known beyond the borders of Israel. He became an internationally established prophet. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. Now, because of that, God's basically saying, get ready. New opportunities are coming to you. Stop looking at all the trouble. I know it's there too. Thank you for uh, reminding me of all of that, but I already, I'm already aware of all of that. And God's not saying he's going to change it overnight either, but he's basically saying, get moving, get up, get in faith because I'm taking you to a higher level. Praise the Lord. Now, last Sunday on Passover, Easter resurrection celebration, we talked about the fact that what took place with Peter was so amazing how God got him out of the prison that while it was happening, Peter didn't, he did not even realize that it was real until later when he's completely out and he's delivered and things are going to get very real for you. And I want to say thank you for the powerful Passover seeds that you sowed into that. The it's about to get real seed. You, you have no clue about how real it's about to actually get what I need you to understand that opportunity. This is what the Holy spirit told me. I, I want to read it word for word. An opportunity is about to be presented to you that will be gifted to you. It's almost like literally it's going to fall in your lap. Don't be surprised if they contact you. Don't be surprised if they ask you to be involved. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm ready for things to get real. Yeah, it's going to get real. All right. And when it does, you have to take advantage of that open door. Peter when the angel came, although he doesn't understand really what's going on, thinks maybe it's a vision, doesn't really know fully what's taking place, but he's still cooperating with it. And it is real. And he is walking it out in real time. So when the door opens and it does get real, you need to take advantage of that moment right then, right there. Mm -mm. 
because it's coming and it's coming quick. Praise God. I uh, talked with a minister friend one time years back. I'm going back about, oh, maybe, maybe 18 years or something like that. And there was this one evangelist that had a real gift from the Lord. He was true calling, had, had the supernatural equipment, but he couldn't, he couldn't find his place in the body of Christ. And he was frustrated and his name is Tim. And he talked to me one day and said, you know, Stephen, I don't know where I belong. Really? I said, I know where you belong. You need to go join this particular ministerial association. I said, you would fit. It would be like your hand fitting into a perfect love. It's like you're made for that organization. And he joined the organization and you know what? He and his wife loved it. I mean, they clicked the organization, which was very large as international organization. They loved Tim and Tim loved them and it was fantastic. And he's just like, I found my place. <laughs> and he really did. And I was really happy for him. And he's still there today, by the way. But after Tim had been in that organization for about nine months, uh, it's not like any doors really opened for him that they said, oh, you're an evangelist. Good. We're going to start plugging you in. It didn't happen like that. What did happen, though, is that he told me, he said, Stephen, this was after he had been in it for about nine months and he's loving it, but and he loves them. They love him, but there's still nothing's really shifted with his ministry. He's just happy that he found where he belonged. But after about nine months, he told me, he said, Stephen, he said, the leaders have contacted me and they have asked me to start a, uh, a meeting uh, in my area. They want me to be an, uh, an area director. I said, I said, that's wonderful. I said, I believe God's in that. You should do it. He said, oh, he said, but Stephen, he said, they've told me what all the responsibilities are. And I already knew that because I used to be an area director for them. This, this was years back. And he said, but host, he said, Stephen, this means I'm going to have to start hosting meetings and host meetings. That means I've got to, I've got to use my own money to cover, you know, like uh, renting a, a ballroom at the hotel so that we can have meetings and conferences. He said, I, I, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And you know what he did? You know what he did? He told them no. <laughs> he told them no. I mean, it's not like they're going to demand thousands of dollars. I mean, they'll, uh, you, you, you reserve the room for $400, you know, and buy some flowers and put some iced tea out. Have your meeting. But he just started looking at it and thought, got overwhelmed with it. And uh, he told them no. I said, you told them no? He said, yeah. And I didn't say anything. I mean, it's his life, his ministry. But I, I knew, I knew he missed a golden opportunity. And you know what? A whole year went by and nothing, nothing moved with this ministry. His ministry did not move one inch forward. And you know what happened? A year went by and they approached him again and said, Tim, we really would love for you to be an area director. You have our heart. You have our spirit. We're, we're all on the same page doctrinally and not, not just doctrinally, but we have a good, good rapport. Tim, would you please start a, uh, start a meeting in this area. We'll make you an area director. And you know what? At that time he said, I'll do it. He said, he finally said, I'll do it. And when he did, 
everything about it worked and people came to the meeting and people gave in the, in the meetings and the budget was always met and his ministry began to grow. And then he began to get plugged in with meetings. Why? Because now they know that he's a real part. And so doors began to open to him. Matter of fact, one of the last times I ever talked to Tim, he told me that one of the ministers that was also a member of that ministerial association saw him minister at one of the smaller meetings, asked him to come minister at his church, which was, and they were having a very large convention. I said, Tim, how did that, uh, how did that convention go where you spoke at? He said, Stephen, he said, the one offering they gave me met my budget. Now he spoke one time. He said, the one offering they gave me met the entire budget for my ministry, all of our personal needs for my family life for four months. <laughs> Woo! But see, th this stuff doesn't start moving until you step in, you step in pastor Stephen. I have prayed. I have fasted. I'm ready for it to get real. It gets real when you go through the door. It gets real when the invitation that God extends in front of you, maybe almost like with big neon glowing lights all around it, it happens when you go through. Boom. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. No amount. Please listen very carefully to this. No amount of preparation. No amount of prayer. No amount of fasting will substitute you getting up and just doing, just doing it. Mm -mm. When it happens and there it is presented to you, you're, that's what all the prayer and fasting is for. It's the preparation to get you ready to be strong in the spirit to go through, go through. But if you don't go through, then, then it's just like, um, it's like you're doing all this exercise for no purpose. Praise the Lord. That's why you're doing all of that. So you can be strong in faith to actually do something with it. Woo. Praise God. Let me tell you, you're going to go through and God goes through with you. Mm -mm. Now I, I talked to a local friend sometime back and I said, I said to him, a, a fellow minister, I said, brother, I said, your church is, is really growing. He wasn't the pastor. He was one of the elders. I said, your church is really growing. I said, um, why don't you guys get a bigger facility? He goes, oh, he said, he said, brother Stephen, he said, I told the pastor that. And I told the other elders that I, I told them, hey, God's blessing us. We're outgrowing this place. We can't even fit into this place anymore. And we have, a, he said, I knew of another building that we could get into that was larger, that was almost the exact price, just a little bit more. Sure, there would be some other expenditures that would have to be uh, paid for as we stepped into this larger place. But he said, that's God's door for us. That's God's blessing for us. And the pastor and the other leaders said, no, no, we, we don't think we should make that step. And you know what? They're now still stuck in that little place, and all of the growing stopped. All of the growth stopped, and they're just stuck there. And he said, Stephen, he said, we missed it. We missed it. And now we're stuck in this place, and, well, see, God will come back around again. God will come back around again, but you cannot make a door open on your own. Mm -mm. Get ready. The Holy Spirit is going to present a heavenly opportunity to you. Oh, oh, Pastor Stephen, there's lions there, though. Yeah, there are. There, there always will be in the thicket. 
but God's with you. Go, go. Oh, Pastor Steve, but what will some people say? Well, look, they're already saying things where you're in Anathoth. Who cares what they say? They're certainly going to say things in Jerusalem. Go! <laughs> That's your door. Go! <laughs> oh, but Pastor Steve, my family don't understand. My brother-in-law said it's not a good idea. But, but you must follow the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo! Mm -mm. You've got the armchair critics that, that never go or do anything. They don't even know this walk. This is the faith walk. They're completely clueless of it. Yes, saved, born again, they love the Lord. But the actual walking out, mm, mm, going into the next level, praise God. That's the living faith walk. Mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. I remember that uh, uh, prophet Walter Butler when he was just like, just starting in ministry. He said the Holy Spirit told him to get a passport. And he thought, now, why would I get a passport? I have no international meetings planned. And, you know, I'm just doing little bitty local meetings. Why would I get a passport? So the Holy Spirit impressed him again very strong. Get a passport. And he didn't do it. And so about a month after that, while he was speaking in a small church, and he finished up um, speaking there, a lady came up to him and said, Brother Butler, I've got a round trip ticket to Germany and back. And, you know, there would be like 10 days over there. And his mother lived in Germany. And he, he had a ministry contact in Germany, but he had no way to get there. But he had at least had a contact. And she said, I, I, I want to give you this ticket, but do you have a passport? Now, this is back in the days when tickets could be exchanged. A lot of that was done just by, you know, a personal agent making adjustments. There's no computers or anything like that. So she said, I'll give you this uh ticket if, if you've got your passport. And he said, oh, I don't have it. He said, I'll go apply now. And, I'll, and I'll, she said, oh, no, 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 no. She said, that won't work. She said, um, you'll never have your passport in time before this trip takes place. This trip is coming up pretty soon. Uh, so, no, you'll never have your passport in time. And he missed it. And he knew he missed it. He didn't go through the open door. Until about nine months later, and he said another door came around, and that time, of course, he, had, he went out immediately, got his passport after the first blunder, but the door didn't reopen until nine months later. You must be willing to go, praise God. Opportunity, opportunity is coming to you, and it could be, uh, could be right in the center of the Jordan where the floodplain is at. doesn't matter. Move, 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 praise the Lord, because the Lord is moving with you. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Now, I remember a time that Kelly and I had just gotten married, and we were going through uh, ministry training and things like that, but, you know, you know, the phone's not ringing off the hook for me to come preach because we were just brand new, just getting started, still learning things, and I don't know how I end even ended up at this place, but I, I ended up attending for some reason. I'll have to ask my wife how we even got there because I don't remember how we were invited, or I don't know how we even got there, but yet we were there. We ended up at a, a chapter meeting for a full gospel businessmen's association. So there we are at the meeting and it was fun. You know, it was, uh, it was strong at that time and it's you know, still strong today, but today there's new leadership and everything. But back then Richard Shakarian, he had taken over from his father Demas and he's, he's running the, uh, the headquarters of uh, the global outreach. And so the, the meetings were really popping. It was very powerful. And, uh, but they told me, uh, that this chapter is soon closing. We need somebody to start a new chapter. We need somebody to start a local chapter. 
And they asked uh, a local, uh, there was another businessman. He was an attorney. He was coming to the meetings. They asked him if he would do it because he had, you know, he had all the money. He had the fancy three-piece suit. He had, he had all that. They asked him if he would do it. He said no. <laughs> and so they looked around, and they're like, we need somebody to start a new chapter, to take over and start a new chapter. And while they were even saying that, we need somebody, they looked, and their eyes fell on me. And I could tell there was a pause. I, I wasn't the attorney. I didn't have the high-powered status and all the money and all of that. But they looked at me, and the demon, uh, excuse me, Richard Shakarian's right-hand assistant, he looked at me, and he decided, something in him must have been the Holy Spirit decided to go for it. He said, Stephen, will you do it? And Kelly and I looked at each other, and we said, yes. We'll do it. We didn't even know what we were getting ourselves into. We, we said, yes, we'll do it. And that, that meant, of course, you know, uh, a commitment of my time, meeting every week, and renting a facility, and making sure that, you know, there's catering, and there's food, and all of this stuff, and all the logistics planned into it. You've got to do it quick, because these are businessmen coming on their lunch break, so you've got to feed them, and get a, get a speaker. Now you've got to get a speaker in every week, who can give a testimony, and, you know, and then you've got to work an altar call into all of that, and uh, wow. So we jumped into it. Did it require a lot? At that point in my life, I thought it did because, it, yeah, you, especially when you're doing it every week, it can be very demanding trying to get an anointed speaker every week. But uh, once we got into it, we soon realized the great door that it was. Why? We were holding meetings in the same city where the world headquarters was at. So whenever these multi-million dollar high-powered Christian spirit-filled businessmen would come in to visit the headquarters, we'd pull from that. <laughs> we'd say, well, hey, since you're here, come over and speak at my chapter. So we ended up with some of the greatest speakers in the world giving incredible testimonies. We had people getting saved at every meeting. We had people getting uh, physically healed at every meeting. We had the most, we had the most fun. It was one of the most funnest times we ran it for a little over a year, nonstop. Now there would be times that were beyond my control when at the last minute a speaker would say, Stephen, I can't make it. Something's happened. Um, you have to find somebody else. Well, the other, the, the somebody else was usually me because at the last minute you just can't pull somebody in. So either I would, uh, share some things or I would call one of the men that were coming regularly. And we had women coming too. We had people coming from all over the place and it was a glorious time. But you know what? If I had not gone through that door, then I would have been sitting around just waiting for something else to happen. But see, that started generating things. Little did I know I'm going to end up getting to know the leadership. Little did I know that I would be privileged to sit in the office with Richard Shakarian while he kicks back and puts his feet up on his desk or go to his, uh, you know, the, he had this phenomenal office with uh, that, like a beautiful living room part of it, a lot, nice couch, and he would sit back and talk and lean back. And uh, we, we, we would talk and ask him questions and stuff. It was just an absolutely tremendous time. And that began opening doors. I ended up giving my testimony at the USA uh, World Conference. Uh, wow. It was, I mean, just all kinds of stuff started happening. Then other doors would open and things like that. And then while all that's going on, ministry starts getting traction. Ministering in churches, ministering in other types of places. So traction is happening over here. But a lot of it was bouncing off of that one big door that I had gone through. 
It was a life-changing door. Praise God. Now, <laughs> when the opportunity has it, go for it. Go for it. God is with you. Yes, we know that there's other stuff out there. We know what's going on. But that's not the focus. God's trying to get Jeremiah's focus on the right thing. Jeremiah, get ready. I know it's all out there, but, but you're the man for it. There's, God's got the woman for the position. God's got the man for the position. But get ready to go. Whoa, praise God. Because the externals, that's not the issue. It's the internals. Hallelujah. Your faith, your focus on the Lord, mm -mm. and your willingness to go through the door. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. One more scripture. Matthew chapter 14. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Matthew 14. And let's drop all the way down to verse 26. Once in a lifetime, type open doors. Verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. So that we know that we know that Jesus is walking on the water there at the Sea of Galilee. He says, You know, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. You're about to have that moment where what you have always wanted, what you have prayed about, what you have desired, God, I'm ready for it to get real. Yeah, it's about to get real, all right. And it gets real. It gets real when you put your leg over the side of the boat and you come down out of that boat and you do what you've always wanted to do. I think God puts these things on the inside of us. I think for some reason, Peter, as a fisherman out on the water for so many years of his life, probably thought, hmm, sure would be fun to walk on top of this sometime through God's power. Wonder what that would be like. Here it is. Here it is. And it's now. Look, look, watch this. It's now or never. It's now or never. You go for it now. Well, you, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not in the mood, Pastor Stephen. A lion, might, a lion might jump out and get me. A wave might get my hair wet and mess up my hairdo. No, no. Go! Go! Because this is your one shot. Mm -mm. Well, Pastor Stephen, maybe Jesus will set up the same type of scenario and maybe nine months we'll do this. We'll have another shot. No, no, this is it. You've got to go now. And he does. And you're going to also praise the Lord. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. By the way, when the Lord gives you the thumbs up, when he gives you the green light, what else do you need? You don't need an angel to push you. Just go. <laughs> he knows the risk. He knows the waves. He knows all of that. Just go, though. Go. Mm -hmm. This is not the time to pray. This is not the time to fast. This is what you've been fasting and praying for. This is what you've been preparing for. And no other thing will substitute for you actually now getting out of that boat. Mm -mm. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And if you will go through that open door, even if it were to walk on the water, that's probably not going to be for you because maybe that's not your fisherman's desire. But whatever it is, you'll find that that 
word will support you. Yes, Peter walked on the water. Technically, if we look at it from the mechanics of what, what a miracle is, he's actually walking on the word come. That word come is actually what's holding him up. And it's the, the Lord's invitation. It's the open door. And you're sensing well, out of all of your preparation, this is it. That when you go through that same empowerment of the spirit will hold you up as well. So that you could walk right through the thickets with lions all around, and you could still go to the Jordan and do whatever you would like to do with the Jordan. And you could still go to Jerusalem, despite all of the opposition, even the fact that times you're going to try to kill Jeremiah and take his life. When you're on assignment, and you're walking right with God, listen to me very carefully. And I'm not just talking to ministers or preachers. I'm talking to you. When you're on assignment, and you're calling, doing what God has called you to do, there is a supernatural invincibility about your life. And you're not going anywhere unless God says that your assignment's up and that your mission is completed. But until then, no, you're not going anywhere. You're on task. And you're going to do absolutely everything God has called you to do. Circumstances notwithstanding, you're still going forward. Mm -mm. And that is what God's trying to do with Jeremiah. Jeremiah, come on. I've heard your complaint. I've heard your prayer. I'm aware of all of that. But come on, Jeremiah. I need you to step up. Hallelujah. And go through the, the amazing doors that I'm going to open for you. And that's what God's going to do for you. Right now, lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching that love you with all of their heart, that are willing to do anything for you. I thank you, Father God, that you're going to open an amazing door between now, listen to me, between now and Passover, excuse me, between Passover and Pentecost, 50 days, between now and Pentecost, something is going to open of supernatural blessing. It is the door that the Lord has prepared specifically for you to go through. Father, I pray for wisdom, for strength, for anointing, and for faith and courage to be strong for your people. Thank you. Let them look for it. Let them look for it as they're coming up to Pentecost. It's going to be there. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father God. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Look. When you go through it, you may even hear the lions wrestling in the bushes. <laughs> yeah, they're there. Keep on going. The Lord is with you. Woo! Praise God. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. Now, if you're watching today's program and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you right now, he's the lion tamer. Mm -mm. We found that out with Daniel, who even was locked in a cell, a prison, a dungeon with Hungry, ravenous lions. It didn't touch the man of God. And there is safety and protection in Christ and in Christ alone. If you don't know him, but you want to know him, make him your Lord and Savior right now. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died to save sinners like me. Jesus, wash me of all of my sins with your precious blood. Wash them all away. And Jesus, I give my heart to you. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus. Save me now. And I take you now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. And amen. And some of you have had ravenous lions pursuing you. Watch how the Lord will shield and protect you. Woo! 
praise God, you're in the safe place. Praise the Lord. Now, let us take Holy Communion. I want to ask you to grab some unleavened bread, grab some grape juice. We are now going to proclaim the Lord's death, because until He comes, whenever we take communion, we are realizing that through His death was the purchase of our ransom. He ransomed us from sin through dying upon the cross as a sacrificial lamb for us. Praise God. We're going to walk in all of His blessings that He purchased for us through His sacrificial death. Praise God. Father, we thank You for the bread and the juice, and we ask that You would bless it. We consecrate it and set it apart right now through this prayer as being holy. Thank You, Father God, that this is now the body and the blood of Christ, our eternal Savior. Father, as we receive the body of Christ, let our spiritual antennas, our spiritual receivers be alert to pick up the open door, the blessing that you have for us. Thank you, Father God, that we will catch it and enjoy moving to the next level of blessing, the next level of influence for you to represent you in the earth. Father, we receive the body of Jesus now in his name. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. When the opportunity presents itself, you will say within your heart, this is what I've been preparing for. Many of you, you need to pray in the Spirit more. Build up your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. So the Word is like dynamite on the inside of you. Your faith is strong, and you're going to grab that open door and go through it. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We ask that if we have committed any sins, you would wash them all away through the precious blood of Christ. And we thank you that you're so good that our sins and our iniquities, you don't even remember them. We give you praise. Thank you, Father God, for our full salvation through the shed blood of Christ. And Father, we proclaim his death until he comes. There will be a day, we thank you, Father, when he will come. And he will establish a righteous rule. And he will govern the way this world is supposed to be governed. And he will represent what true kingship is. And his kingdom will be glorious. So Father, we thank you that until then, his kingdom is, is within us. So thank you, Father, for expression of that in our lives. We receive the blood of Jesus now. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's drink. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands. Lord, we praise you. Let's praise the Lord. Lord, we praise you. We give you glory. We thank you in advance for the open door. We thank you in advance for the open door. We thank you in advance for the open door. Father, we thank you for those who went through Jesus today, the door of salvation and eternal life. We thank you for the souls saved. Thank you, Father God. Now, Father, thank you for the door of promotion, the door of expansion, the door of increase. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, for courage and strength. Thank you, Father. Let it be infused into our hearts. Thank you, Father. This is the church's finest hour. Thank you, Father. We're not retreating. We're moving forward. We give you all of the praise. We thank you that we're walking in the spirit of faith. Thank you, Father God. We bless you, Father. Thank you for the great victories. Thank you for taking us through these doors. Thank you for your pre-planned blessings. 
released strategically into our lives just at the right moment. And we thank you, Father God, that between now and Pentecost, there will be the special door and we will go through it. We give you all of the praise for it. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. Praise the Lord. My friends, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for watching this program. I'll see you back again real soon. God bless you.